been working through uh, the story, which is uh, God's Word, and it's uh, given in such a way, broken down in 31 chapters, and we've been going since last September from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We are to the next to the last chapter, Paul's final days. Just curious, how many of you have kept up pretty well? Um, I think I say it like, well, you're at least in the same zip code where we're at today, chapter 30. Or maybe some of you uh, have already finished or, or even um, got a ways to go, but I'm going to catch up. How many of you say I'm, I'm there? And so far, so good. Can I see some hands? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Now, we used to read straight from Genesis to Revelation, every verse, and we'd get the same 15 people every year uh, who would do it, and that's great. Uh, we have a whole bunch of people start, but I just want you to know there's already probably 30 hands. There was probably double that in the first service. So um, what's, what we hoped would happen has happened. So well done. Well done, you good and faithful readers. And uh, in a couple weeks when we're done, we will uh, have you stand and we'll celebrate. Um, on page 452 of the story, Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He's waiting trial before Caesar, the Roman Caesar, and he writes a letter to his good friends in the city of Ephesus. This letter that we call Ephesians was a passionate review of God's love through Jesus Christ. And as you read the book of Ephesians, you realize uh, Paul is just filled with awe and wonder concerning the love that uh, is available in the story of redemption found in Jesus the Messiah. This morning we're going to look uh, at what motivated Paul, and we are going to read uh, beginning in Ephesians 1, verse 3, down through verse 14. Here's what you need to know. He knows it's not going to end well. He's awaiting trial before Caesar, and we know shortly after he wrote these words... um, The Roman sword was used. That was their means of execution. Um, And Paul literally lost his head to the Roman sword because he loved Jesus. So that's that's kind of the background. One more thing before you stand. Verses 3 to 14 in the Greek is one very long run-on sentence. So you're not supposed to do that in English. It's fairly unusual to do it in the Greek. Uh, it's such a run-on sentence that uh, they don't even try to make it one sentence in English because it just starts getting too much. But please understand, as we stand and read, this is all one excited, passionate sentence from the Apostle Paul. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to start with verse 3. Read down through verse 14. Here we go. Let's read together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that wonderful and glorious run-on sentence. <laughs> Lord, that, uh, that meaty sentence is filled with stuff that we need to understand. Lord, it's filled with truth that we need to get on our hard drives. The truth is what Paul says is true about us. What the facts are is so much different than what we hear regularly about who we are and what we're all about. Lord, it's easy to listen to the other voices. It's, it's easy to be influenced by other other words that come into our ears and touch our hearts and our minds. But Lord, I'm asking that you'll help us to reject those unreliable and error-filled sources of about who we are. And Lord, might we instead hold on to the facts and adopt the facts as our position and our identity. Pause for just a moment, Lord, because we got to a family member who's struggling right now. I want to pray for uh, Rusty Katz, who's in the ICU right now. And Lord, he's been battling cancer for a long time, and now there's this awful infection. And Lord, we just look to you, because you're the great physician. You're the one who we look to, and, and I'm asking that you'll give wisdom to these under-physicians there in the hospital and all the caregivers there. I'm praying that even right now at 11.24, Rusty will remember and be reminded of how much he's loved by you. Help Rusty to realize and remember that this is not our home. We're just passing through. And help us to remember that as well. Watch over Darlene. I pray that we as a church family will love really well on the Katz family at this time. We want you to know we're ready to hear from you. Speak, Lord, your servants, your church. We're listening. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, 
may be seated. I begin with a true story of a brother and a sister. The brother and sister were born with what some would say was a golden spoon in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they come from a well-to-do family. Their father was incredibly rich, and he loved to give good gifts to his children. And he lavished on them everything. He held nothing back. And he deeply loved them. And he was committed to protecting them and providing for them. And he often wrote them letters to let them know how much he cared and loved and longed to come into a deep relationship with them. This brother and sister uh, knew that everything that belonged to their father belonged to them. Because they were his children. The brother and sister were rich and powerful with resources beyond description. They were rightful heirs. They were legitimate uh, heirs of their father's fortune. And it was vast. But sadly, this family also had a wicked and evil uncle. I want to ask you if any of you have a wicked or evil uncle. Uh, But this uncle hated and despised their father. He hated him so much that he made it his personal mission in life to break up this family. That was his goal in life. To confuse and disrupt and cheapen the closeness of the brother and the sister with their father. Over time, slowly, in really subtle ways, he would feed them half-truths. He would feed them distortions. He would deceive them. And over time, the brother and the sister started listening more and more to their evil uncle. And over time, they actually believed that they were poor and worthless and unloved. The uncle convinced them that they had been abandoned by their father. And even though they spoke to him and they even read his words to them, they still believed their uncle more and more. The wicked uncle got them so busy with urgent matters, listen close, so busy with All that they had to get accomplished, they had very little time to spend with their father. They they had very little time to enjoy that relationship. And it slowly began to get distance. Their uncle even convinced them that their father really didn't even want to listen to them. Don't talk to him. He's too busy. He doesn't really want to listen to you and your little petty problems. And over time, they talked to him less and less. And the letters that he wrote them, he, he convinced them they were too hard to understand. Don't read those letters. You, you can't understand them. And those lavish, incredible gifts the father gave his children, the son and the daughter mostly left them in the boxes they came in. <laughs> they, they never took advantage 
of those gifts that their father had lavished upon them. Instead, they were more interested and spent way more time on the cheap and dangerous toys that their uncle forced them to buy. Tragedy of this true story is that most of the time, the brother and sister listened to the lies, listened to the distortions, listened to the ugliness of the evil uncle and ignored the daily calls, the genuine love, the care, the devotion and protection of their father. It's amazing. Over and over again, they listened to their deceiving uncle instead of their loving father. They were loved, they were blessed, they were privileged, they were powerful children of their devoted father. But they listened to their uncle Lucifer instead. They were deceived, and Satan and his demons are master liars. And that's what you need to understand today. That's a true story. And most of the time, most followers of Jesus, we're listening to the lies and the deceptions. And he's clouding and confusing and lying about our good heavenly Father. So instead of living as rich, powerful, privileged, righteous children of King Jesus, most of the time in the church, we live sad, defeated, insecure, fearful lives. Why is that? Because we're buying into the lies and we're not believing and putting on our hard drives the facts. That's why we need to know Ephesians chapter 1. We need to understand what the facts are about who we are in Jesus. And we need to get those facts on on our hard drives. And, And now, this is who I am, and this is my identity, and this is my position in Jesus. Because when the lies and the distortions come, I'm telling you, if you don't know the facts, if you don't have them tattooed on your brain, you're going to believe the liar, because he's a really good liar. Uncle Lucifer is a master deceiver. I need to know the facts. You need to know the facts. This is what's true about you and about me. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, with all spiritual blessings in Christ. (laughs) Paul is so excited, he can't wait to share about the truth of who we are in Christ. Okay, Uh, We are, first of all, blessed in the heavenly realms. That's literally in the heavens and on the earth, uh, the place of God's creation. We are blessed, and it's a done deal. You understand? It's, it's past tense. It's already completed. And when you say yes to Jesus, I believe in what you did for me on the cross and your shed blood and the empty tomb, suddenly now 
these blessings are our reality. It's unchangeable if you are in Christ. And some of you would say, well, that's good, Pastor Jeff, but I don't feel very blessed (laughs) at this moment. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but just think with me, uh, how often did you feel incredibly blessed by every and all spiritual blessings this past week? Some of you, if you're honest, are going to say, you know, I I didn't feel blessed. I kind of felt abandoned. I, I felt angry. I felt frustrated. I felt hurt. I felt neglected. I feel afraid. I feel overwhelmed. I could keep going. Here's what you need to understand. Give me your eyes. Our changing feelings and emotions have absolutely no effect on our position in Christ. And that's what we need to understand. Because your feelings and your emotions, they change like the weather. And the weather in northern Michigan recently, it's changing lots, right? Like by the hour. Oh, it's sunny. Oh, it's rainy. Oh, it's warm. Uh, No, it's not so warm. Again, feelings and emotions, they change. Instead, I'm not going to follow my feelings and emotions. I'm going to get on the hard drive the facts. This is who I am in Christ. I promise you, Uncle Satan and his demonic army and this fallen world are conspiring to get us to trust in our feelings and our emotions instead of the facts. See the problem? Well, this is what I'm hearing, and this is what I feel about my... And this is what this person, and this is what my teacher said about me. No, no. uh, I want to know... What do the facts say about who I am? Again, uh, feelings and emotions, they have their place. But in the engine called our lives, track with me now, you got this train, and on the end of the train, what is, what's at the end of the train? You say it, it's the what? It's the caboose. So that's your feelings and your emotions. The engine needs to be the facts. The engine has to be, what does God's word say I am? What does God's book, what what does Jesus think about me? That needs to be the engine and then let the feelings and the emotions follow. Far too often, we let our feelings and our emotions lead. And and if you got the caboose leading your life, you're going nowhere. Nowhere good, okay? So again, it has their place. But, but you need to make sure it's your identity, your position. Let that be the engine. Okay, and I'm going to give you five facts that need to be the engine right now. So we need to let the engine lead us and, and then let the feelings and the emotions follow. So if you've got a pen or something, we've got a spot in your bulletin, write down what, what's the engine. Well, it's the facts. What does God's book say is true about me? And I need to get a hold of those facts and and let them take root in my heart and on my mind. Fact number... Okay, Okay. give me your eyes. Okay, give you another run at that. Okay, fact number... Very good. Ephesians verse 1 and verse 3. In Christ, we have been blessed. God's applause... uh, 
God's approval, God's um, goodness is on us, and there is nothing left out, nothing lacking. Every blessing you and I need to live victorious Christian lives is given us when we say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe in the cross. I believe in the empty tomb. I receive you as my Savior and my King. At that moment, every blessing that you need, that I need to live a victorious Christian life has been bestowed on us. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. You don't have to wait a year. You don't have to wait till you get married. You don't have to wait till you have kids. You don't have to wait till... Every blessing that you and I need is given when we are in Christ, when we're followers of Jesus. Uh, Every blessing, nothing withheld. Fact number... Nice, nice. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Here's the second fact. God chose you. I want you to be a part of my eternal family. God chose me. You get to come. I pick you to be a part of my eternal family. Think about it. He picked you. And when did he pick you? He, he waited till you did something pretty nice, pretty good, till you showed some promise, right? Is that when he picked us? What does verse 4 say? When did God pick us to be a part of his family? He, he predestined us before he created the world. Whoa. Before he even spoke the cosmos into existence, he said, Henry, I want you to be on my team. Think about it. I I want you to be a part of my eternal family. And I know this is controversial, this predestined stuff to be adopted into his family. Let's just stay with what Paul says, okay? Here's what Paul says is true. Salvation is entirely a work of God in which humans are totally involved. Um, It's entirely God's work. Yep, that's true. But it's a work that we are totally and completely involved. I like to say it like this. We are predestined to choose to be chosen. Okay? We are predestined. But, but here is the point, and don't, don't lose the wonder because of the controversy. Here's the point. The Lord chose you personally, specifically. I want you to be a, one of my children, and I want you to be a part of my family, and I want you to enjoy all that can be found in Christ. Fact number, thank you. Verse 7, slide down. We're missing some good stuff. It says, verse 7, we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We have the forgiveness of sin by the richness of God's grace in the cross. Redeemed. What's that mean? Biblical times, redemption involved slaves. Didn't happen very often. But if you were a slave, and that was the majority of people in biblical times, the majority were slaves, um, someone could choose to purchase you out of slavery. You got a master, you got an owner, but I'm going to purchase you and now set you free. You're no longer a slave, now you are free. 
Got it? Go back to verse 7. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Through his shed blood, that was the price that was paid. He purchased us out of slavery to sin and self and Satan, and now we're set free. We're redeemed by Jesus Christ. No longer is sin and Satan and death my boss, my master. Jesus has set us free, amen? Want to give another run to that? Because that's way, way too little for... Because we, we were slaves to sin and Satan and self, and Jesus set us free. Isn't that not wonderful? Amen? Yeah, thank you. Fact number... You got it. Verse 7, last part. The Father has lavished the riches of His grace on His children. Lavished. Lavished His grace. I like the word lavish, but we don't use it very much. Um, But how many of you enjoy the occasional ice cream sundae? Can I see your hands? Anybody but me? Yeah. Yeah. Take some really good ice cream. Pick your favorite, whatever it might be. Andy, I saw that hand. You, You had both hands up, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, get your ice cream in the bowl, okay? Uh, what, what follows? Uh, put your favorite fruit in the bowl with it. Me, strawberries, every time. Uh, then you move on. You, you got some chocolate, right, Henry? Or caramel uh, or butterscotch or maybe all three. Could be. That's a good day, right? Uh, and, and now we're, we're getting close, but, uh, and I'm not talking about the cherry, but what else do you like on top of your sundae? Yeah, okay, pecans, I forgot, sorry, sorry. But, but you already got your pecans on there. Now, now you got to have your whipped cream. And I'm saying to you, don't be stingy with the whipped cream. You're right. I want it like the, the leaning tower of whipped cream, pile it high. Uh, why am I talking this way? Now, now go back to verse 7 and, and verse 8. It says, he's lavished the riches of his grace on us. The Father is not stingy with the grace that he piles on high to all of us who are in Jesus Christ. Think of this. We are blessed. We are dripping. Can you just picture grace dripping down with every blessing that's available piled high? Why? Because that's our position. That's the fact of who I am in Christ and you too. That's the engine. Got to get that... Got that on. And, and finally, fact number, we're skipping more good stuff, sorry. Ephesians 1, verse 12. When we believe the gospel and are gifted with salvation, we're marked in Christ with a seal. With a seal. And not the ha-ha seal. Um, it didn't go over in the first service either. And I don't know why. Why I'm working so hard. Uh, it, it's the seal of a king, Okay. Uh, in, in biblical times, um, follow with me here, um, a king would send a letter, important correspondence, and he would fold it, put it in what we would call an envelope, and then they'd drip some wax, special kingly wax, and then the king had a signet ring, and he'd drive it home into that wax. Here's what it said. This letter is from that king specific signet ring and it also said this if you mess with this letter you're messing with who? you're messing with the king so you better be careful don't mess 
with this correspondence because if you do, you're messing with the king. Now think with me. Jesus Christ has sealed us with his seal. He's put his signet ring on us and he says, you belong to me. You belong to me. And anybody who messes with you, you're messing with me. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you need to understand, the seal for us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it says, verse 14, is that seal. Uh, verse 12, um, it is the sign, it is the evidence that I actually am in Christ. And verse 14 says, the Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing that I am a rightful heir and I've got a future inheritance that is amazing and out of this world. The fruit of the Holy Spirit should remind us, who do I belong to? Oh yeah, the king has his seal on me. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and I belong to the king of kings, Jesus Christ. He's given me his spirit to remind me that I belong to him. How many of you are familiar with the Big Daddy Weave? Anybody? Others? A few of you? Yeah. You know about Big Daddy Weave. Uh, we, we sang uh, The Lion and the Lamb. That's his song. Um, and on that very same CD called Beautiful Offerings, um, there's this song. And, and, and once in a while, I, I'm like tempted to, tempted to just wander, maybe just for a few minutes, and I'm going to go be selfish, or I'm going to say a few things that have a really bad attitude or, or go someplace I shouldn't be going. Anyway, Big Daddy Weave has this song which says, I'll say to the darkness, you do not own me anymore. Whoa, I belong to God. Whoa, I belong to God. Now listen, that's why you listen to Christian music. I need those ideas running through my brain. Little reminders of the facts. Okay? So I'm tempted and I say, no, you do not own me anymore. I'm going to say that to the darkness. Why? I belong to God. Whoa. I belong to God. I'm just telling you, you've got to get those facts on your hard drive. You've got to be prepared and you need to know that this is who I am and these are the facts and that's how I'm going to live. Faithful missionary, raising support. He struggled. Long time before he could get out on the field. Finally, he was able to purchase a ticket, but he couldn't afford a ticket on a jet. That would get there much quicker. But he was able to afford to purchase a ticket on a ship. And finally, he was going out to the mission field. Packed his bags. He included enough cheese and crackers and water to last for the entire trip. At every mealtime, the rest of the passengers went to the dining room to eat, but this missionary went to the deck of the ship, looked out over the water, and he just ate his cheese and crackers and drank his water from a brown paper bag. On the third day of the trip, passenger left dinner early, saw him sitting on the deck, and he said, what are, you, what are you doing out here? Why are you eating cheese and crackers and water out here? Um, why, are you eating, why aren't you eating with everybody else? And the missionary explained. 
you know, I barely had enough money to purchase this ticket. I definitely don't have enough money to pay for the expensive meals that they're serving there in the dining room. And he was shocked to discover that once he paid for the ticket, the meals were included at no extra charge. Uncle Lucifer and his evil demonic army are really good at convincing us that we have to sit outside and eat cheese and crackers and drink water. You don't belong in the dining room eating with the king. You're poor, you're destitute. He's really kind of sorry he even picked you for his team. He's, he's mad at you. He, he doesn't want you trying to do stuff. He's disappointed. You are an unloved failure. And sadly, give me your eyes, a good deal of the time, many of us, if not most of us, we listen to those lies. They kind of feed our emotions and our feelings and we're already kind of disappointed with ourselves and we're sure that's how our good, good Father thinks about us. Here's what you need to know. Anything that doesn't line up with the facts needs to be rejected. (laughs) Anything that doesn't line up with God's truth, with how Jesus feels about you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say to the darkness, no, no, you don't own me anymore. This is what's true about me right now. I belong to God, and these are the facts that I'm going to choose to believe. He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing. He didn't leave one out. Everything I need to live the Christian life, he's blessed me with. He's lavished his... I'm just dripping with his grace. It's just like raining down on my head. I am chosen. I've been purchased out of slavery to sin and Satan. No, no. Now I belong to King Jesus. And he's redeemed me and he's sealed me with his Holy Spirit. Those are the facts. And I'm just telling you, whatever it takes, get these facts tattooed on your brain. Whatever it takes. Because it's when we're living as children of the King, when we know our true identity and our true position in Christ, that's when we start living that way and thinking that way and speaking that way and making a difference in this fallen, sinful world. When I got the caboose out front and now I'm not going anywhere, that leads to all sorts of bad places. Get the facts. Get your true identity, your true position in Christ and say, Lord, by your grace, everything else? No, I'm rejecting that because I'm going to believe what you say is true about me. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. And Lord, we just need to acknowledge that uh, Uncle Lucifer, Satan, is really good liar. He's a master deceiver and distorter. And we get all sorts of voices in our head and get confused. But that's why you gave us your book. That's why you gave us the truth. So, Lord, 
I, I want to pray for my friends here. Church family, Lord, help us to put your book and our position in you as the engine. And for some of us, that's going to be kind of hard because we've been having the caboose out front for years and even decades. But Lord, I believe in your power. As we line up our lives in accordance with what you say is true about us, your facts, I believe it's possible. Help us to get our identity in Christ tattooed on our brains on our emotions, our feelings, our wills. Thank you for your book that pierces the darkness and shines bright in our minds, our memories, our emotions, our attitudes. Thank you, Lord, for the riches and blessings that are ours in and through and because of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anybody here today who's not in Christ, would you just make that obvious? Make it clear and obvious. No, there's no fruit. There's no Holy Spirit. You've not been sealed. You've not been redeemed. Make them hungry and thirsty for all the riches, for all the the facts that your book talks about. That's theirs. When by faith they'll say, yes, I believe. Believe you shed your blood on the cross for me. I, I believe you took my place in the tomb. I believe early Sunday morning you arose from the dead for me. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and my King. Thanks again, Lord. Thy word have we hidden in our heart that we can live your way, that we can live according to your identity and position so we can not sin in our lives. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray.